Amen. It is well with my soul. Can you say amen to that? We are so glad to have uh, Madeline Rain Parker in service with us today and uh, her good parents, Samantha and Brad. Uh, can you just stand with her, maybe, Samantha, and uh, just show her off a little bit? <laughs> Sweet baby. Hey, Amen. We're, we're so glad for them. And uh, Scott, Scott Allen, good to have him back playing the drums and uh, their sweet family. Amen. Well, we're just having babies right and left. That's a good thing. Don't you get no ideas? <laughs> I'm too old for that. <laughs> Amen. We let the young folks do that. And, uh, we, I like being a grandfather. That's a, that's a good thing. You can play with them, spool them, and send them back. And uh, that, that's, a, that's a blessing, I'm telling you. We've had a good week this week. Uh, uh, and uh, appreciate everybody who helped us all week long with our food ministry. Uh, God bless you. I tell you, we... we uh, it was wet Wednesday, liquid sunshine, and and we we passed out food and went to, went over to Ridgeway and uh, delivered that and I didn't have a dry stitch on when we got through. And uh, but uh, what a joy to be able to minister to to people and uh, to help them in their needs. And thank you so much for helping us. We appreciate you. So very, very much. Can, I hadn't done it in a while. Would, 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 you, would you do something for me? Would, would you put your arms out like this? All right, now, I've I got my arms out toward you. Let, let's just hug each other, okay? Oh, I love you. Thank you. I wish I could hug all of you at one time, but that's the best I can do. So, so please know my heart. Take your Bibles and let's turn to Second uh, Kings chapter thirteen. Second Kings chapter thirteen, and I'm going to try to finish this morning. Uh, tonight we uh, continue our study in uh, in end time things, and we're going to talk about the seven seals, the book with seven seals, and Jesus opens that book. And and then those seven seals are issued into the earth, and we're going to talk uh, particularly about the seven seals and the different uh, judgments that are involved in in that process. So, bring your Bible and a friend, and I, I believe God will bless us together this evening. We've been having some really good studies uh, in the Word of God. Well, Second Kings chapter thirteen. Uh, Let's let's look at verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O oh my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Remember that phrase was, was uh, spoken by Elijah and then Elisha. And it refers to the time when Elisha, Elijah was taken up into heaven and Elisha received the mantle that fell to the ground and he saw the, 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 the process by which God took Elijah out of this world and he received that double portion anointing. And so, oh my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof was an experiential phrase for Elisha. Now when Joash came in, He's king of Israel now, and, and, and he's doing a pretty good job. He's trying to honor God, but he, he's, he's, he, he, he's uh, began to drive the, the, the false prophets of Baal out of the land. And, and uh, you remember he wreaked havoc on, on Jezebel and, and, and her work. And, and uh, he's just trying to really establish Yahweh again as Lord of everything in Israel. But the, he's, he's, he, he's like a lot of folks. He's only willing to go so far. Last week we preached about the, the fact that 
Every generation needs to have a passion for the things of God. We have to own the work. We have to be concerned about the work. And until our time is done on this earth, as a believer, we're supposed to support the work and work the work and do everything that we possibly can to be passionate about the things of God. And, and Joash is, is a type of a person who is, who, who loves God, but, but he, he's only willing to go so far. And we're going to look at that again this morning. And please don't get scared. I have my crossbow up here and some arrows, and I'm not going to shoot anybody today. I promise you. Uh, but I want to make the point because this this story involves the symbolism of a bow and of its arrows. So here we are. Uh, Joash is is watching the prophet of God take his last breaths upon the earth. He's at the bedside of a dying prophet, and he wants to get a word from the Lord before before he leaves. Uh, and 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 he he enters in with those words that are passionate words for Elisha. They were experiential words for a for Elisha, but they were only memorized words for the king. And there are a lot of people today who have a form of godliness. They've got the memorization. They've learned the scriptures. They can quote to you John 3.16, but they haven't got the passion. They haven't got the experience. And so he, he stands there at the bedside quoting the words of the prophet of God. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him the bow and the arrows, And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The era of the Lord's deliverance and the era of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows now. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice or three times and stopped or stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him. Elisha was was upset with Joash. And he said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed them. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but three times. And Elisha died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year, and it came to pass as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha, and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Paul says, Timothy, I put this in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God that is within thee by the laying on of my hands. Heavenly Father, speak to every heart, every life. Convince us this morning of our need of you. And I pray, Lord, that we'll draw closer than we ever have and that we will allow the Holy Spirit to do a prominent and powerful and preeminent work in each of our lives. And we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, last week we talked about the passion of one generation to another and, and transferring that passion. We, we need to live, every generation needs to live contagiously for Jesus. And what I mean by that is we ought to be so committed to Christ and so like Christ that when another oncoming generation watches us, they say in their heart, I want what they have. I'm, I'm afraid we have had a disconnect and, and it, from one generation to another. In the last few years, we are seeing the world interrupt the passing on of the baton of faith. And one generation has been disappointed by an oncoming generation. And an oncoming generation has been let down by a former generation. Uh, and I'm telling you, blame 
belongs on both sides. I, I have looked at this thing of, of, of what's going on in the church and back in the 90s we called it the worship wars and, 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 and uh, many of them continue to this day. The old generation wants it their way. The young generation wants it their way and there never is any fellowship between the two and we're always upset and angry and aggravated. But I'm telling you friend, that, that the whole issue is wrong. We need to keep Jesus first. We need to keep the power and presence of God first. If we have a passion for the cross and the things of God, we'll love what God loves and we'll hate what God hates and we'll be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that His blood will cleanse us from all sin and we'll be in fellowship with our brothers and sisters. We need a kindred spirit. I'm not talking about ecumenism. I'm not talking about universalism. I'm not talking about throwing away our belief system. I've heard people say, we just need to get along and everybody just needs to love Jesus. Well, I'm just telling you, I love Jesus and everybody ought to be walking in peace as much as they can, but I'm not laying down the cross. I'm not forsaking the blood. I'm not throwing away the Bible in order to get along with some backslidden, half-saved individual. I'm going to serve God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength and stay faithful to the Word of God. And if they want a fellowship like that, I'll fellowship them. Hallelujah! We're living in a day and hour where folks are wanting to forsake the well of living water in order to accommodate people. If we get people to come to church and they don't get saved and they just come to church and they just go through the motions, what good have we done? You can go to hell from a church pew just like you can from a bar. We need to have a church that is filled with a passion for Jesus Christ that is on fire with the Holy Spirit and when people come and they really want Christ, they can receive Christ. We need to be what we are, full of Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Bible-loving and devil-chasing and sin-hating and, and soul-loving. Hallelujah! We need that passion to pass it on from one generation to another. Passion flows from experience. Information can be taught, but inspiration has to be caught. That's why I say live contagiously. Let the passion you have for Jesus be caught by someone else. Let them live so passionately for Christ that people say, I want that. Anointing can be transferred. Paul transferred an anointing from himself to young Timothy, the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And Paul was reminding him in the closing days of his own life, Timothy, don't forsake this anointing that's in you. Keep it stirred up. Keep the fire burning. There never is a place for retirement in the kingdom of God. Now I know as we get older we're not able to do as much as we thought we, we, we can do or as we used to do, but I'm just telling you I decided that, that I, as I age, I want to age gracefully and I'm praying God help me to stay full of your Holy Spirit, full of the love of God, full of the grace of Jesus and I'm going to fight the devil every inch of the way and, and, and I'm telling you if I lose my teeth I'm going to gum him to death. What? There was a, an old fellow that came to the church and he was blind and he, and he couldn't hear. And, and, and somebody, somebody asked him one day, he said, listen, Grandpa, why, 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 why do you go to church? You can't hear what the preacher says and, and you, you, you can't, you can't uh, uh, see what's going on. And why, why do you even go? He said, I go just because I want everybody to know whose side I'm on. It counts for something. Passion flows from an experience. We have to have it. Passion drives the work of God. If you're not passionate about something, I'm telling you, you won't stay faithful to it. That's why marriages fall apart. is because they're not passionate about their, their, their marriage and not passionate about the vows they made. Not passionate about, about their spouse. Listen, that lady that's sitting right over there, I'm talking about that one. Now, I'm not pointing at any of y'all. I'm talking about that one. In June the 6th, I will be married to her 45 years. We dated three years before we got married. So I have known her 48 years of my life. And I'm telling you, when I get around her, my heart still pumps peanut butter. 
crunchy peanut butter. Be passionate. Be passionate. It drives the work. If you don't own it and care for it, who will own it and care for it? Notice what the Bible says. It says that Elijah, he's got this bow. And this bow represents the anointing. And the anointing belongs to every generation. Nobody has a corner on the market of the Holy Spirit. If you're hungry and thirsty, you can have the Holy Ghost. You can have a move of God in your life. And you can receive this anointing. And I received it when I was a 17-year-old kid. And I've had it ever since. I never, I never wanted to go to bed without it. I didn't want to get up in the morning without it. I didn't want to walk through the day without it. I, I never wanted to preach without it. I never wanted to teach without it. I never wanted to pay bills without it. I never wanted to eat without it. I'm telling you, we need the Holy Ghost to do everything that we do. We can't do it unless He helps us do it. And if He doesn't help us do it, it doesn't matter what we do anyhow. And so every generation needs a power source. And that's the Holy Spirit. So this bow represents the Holy Spirit. And the Bible said Elisha told King Joash, he said, put your hands on the bow. And so the king put his hands on the bow. Luke, come here. If you don't mind, let me, let me use you. You're, you're big and tall and everybody can see you. It's a good guy here. If you don't know it, you need to meet him and talk to him. He he loves Jesus. And uh, awesome guy. And uh, and and so he, here's Elisha. I'm Elisha. I'm not dying though. Don't get no ideas. But Elisha's saying to King Joash, he said, put your hands on the bow. So he passed on the anointing. Do you see what happened right there? One generation is saying, I'm leaving the scene, but I want you to have what I have. That is one of our problems. Nobody can do it like we do it. I'm just telling you, God's got some young people that can do it just like we did it. Come on. We need to support them. We need to love them. We need to pray for them. We need to pump them up every chance we get. We need to encourage them. Paul needs to say to Timothy, Timothy, you can do it, bud. Stir up the gift of God that is within me. And so he passed on the, gener the, the anointing to the next generation. But notice, he passed it on with a blessing. He put his hands on Joash's hands. You know, we... A lot of us in the church, uh, we, we're hands off. Well, I'm through. They can have it. They can do it. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. They can't do it like I did it. I wonder how they won't be able to accomplish anything. I'm not doing it. They, they can't do it. I'm telling you, if you got that attitude, God's going to raise up somebody to do it ten times better than you ever did it. Why don't you get, a, get on your hands and knees and face before God and say, God, let me walk humbly before you so I can pass on an anointing to a next generation that the work of God can continue and go forward. And I'm praying that everybody that's ever served under me, anybody that's ever been called under me, they will not only have an anointing that I've got, but they'll have ten times the anointing that I've had. And they'll win twice as many people as I've ever won to Jesus. And they'll do better than I've ever done for God. Help us, Lord. So the old prophet put his hands on the king's hands and he said, I want you to do well, son. That's what he's saying. He's putting his hands on this young man in passion saying, you're going to receive something from God now. And you're going to walk in it just like I walked in it. We're talking about a double portion man here. You see, Elijah dropped a mantle and, and, and he told Elisha, he said, if you see me go up, you can ask whatever you want to and it'll be given you. And you remember what Elisha said? Lord, I, I, Master, I want a double portion of the Spirit that rests on you. And when he saw Elijah, Elijah go up, come on. The Bible said that he received a double portion anointing. 
And I'm praying for the next generation that they'll have a quadruple portion of anointing <laughs> in, in this world that they live in. And so the, pro the prophet of God laid his hands on Joash's hands and he said, now shoot the bow. In other words, practice, perform with the anointing. The anointing worked for me. Stand there. You're doing good. The anointing worked for me. It'll work for him. That's what he was telling him. He said, I've, I, I've struck the water with the mantle just like Elijah did. And the waters of Jordan parted. And he's saying now to the oncoming generation, to the young man of God, he's saying to the king, he said, take the bow, take the anointing. And what I did with it, you can do even greater things with it. Now shoot the bow. What we need to tell our young people is we want them to do well in the work of God. We want to encourage them to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of the anointing. But we want them to shoot the bow. Give them a place where they can become not the church of tomorrow, but the church of today while we're still on the scene so that we can help them progress and go forward and be favored in the work of God. Come on. We need young people to pray through and get the baptism of the Holy Ghost so that they can prophesy. Stand up in the house of God and give a word for the Lord. We, we need the people to be so full of the Holy Ghost. A young generation grows up talking in tongues every day and being filled with the Holy Spirit and edifying themselves in the faith. We need a young generation that will grow up in the house of God and they'll interpret tongues and they'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And they'll have the gifts of healing and miracles and workings of signs and wonders. Why? Because we passed on the anointing. It's terrible that we just hold on to what we got and then the next generation wonders, what in the world happened? I want these young people in our church to experience everything that I experienced. We've got pastors now that, that won't allow spirit gifts. Why? Because number one, they don't know how to operate in spirit gifts. I'm preaching good now. And, and it's simply because we haven't encouraged in that generation the development of spiritual gifts. First time I ever prophesied, I was 17 years old. Not long after I received the Holy Ghost baptism. I never will forget the first prophetic word that I gave. I never will forget the first tongues that I interpreted. I never will forget the first word of knowledge that I had. Or, 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 or a word of wisdom that was invoked. Or the discerning of spirits. I'm telling you, friend, they're available to the church. And we need to take the bow! Come on. Elijah, Elisha put his hands on, on, the, on the bow. And he said, now shoot it. It'll work for every generation. It'll work for every generation. And then he, then, he said to the, then he said to the young preacher, I, I don't have my deer killing tips on here, okay? Because they'll cut you really bad. You'll bleed to death before you get out of here. So I didn't want any. I didn't want to be responsible for any of you. <laughs> so, but here's the era. And the era fits in the bow. The anointing directs the era. You get it? This era represents prayer. Fasting. Faith, miracles, signs and wonders. This, this era represents faith and faithfulness. This era represents praise. And the young man puts it in the bow and he shoots it. And what does it do? It breaks the yoke of bondage off of the people of God's neck. They, the Syrians are defeated. They are, uh, Israel is delivered from their enemy. 
Luke is shooting the arrow this morning of the Lord's deliverance. A generation is coming on that needs to shoot the bow and the anointing will carry the arrow of praise and faith and faithfulness and holiness and righteousness and all the things of God and it will break the yoke from off of people's lives. Pray all you want to, but if you don't pray with an anointing, you're just praying. You're not praying. You're like an old mule. I want to preach a little bit. Faith and faithfulness. What's this era? Faith and faithfulness. Faith without works is dead. That's what faithfulness is to faith. Faith is believing God. Faithfulness is acting out God's Word while you're believing. One reason our faith don't work is because it's dead. No faithfulness. If you've got faithfulness connected to faith, I'm telling you, you'll liable to get a miracle. The woman, the, the woman that went to, uh, oh, Elisha went down to Zarephath and, 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 and God gave him an era. And it was an era of, of anointing and an era of blessing. And he, he, and he spoke the word to the widow woman. He said, listen, you, God said, if you bake me a cake first uh, of what you've got in your house, God will take care of you in this famine. And she said, I've only got enough for me and my son and then we're going to die. He said, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If you will believe God and you will act out that faith and you'll bake me a cake first, God will take care of you. And, and, and the Bible said, nevertheless, at His Word. In other words, she said, I'm going to believe and I'm going to act. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but I'm going to believe and I'm going to act. And so she took the last bit of meal and the last bit of oil that she had and there wasn't another drop in the cruise and there wasn't another grain of meal in the barrel. And she made the man of God something to eat and he ate it and the Bible said, he said, now go make yourself something. She said, listen, I've already looked in there. There's nothing in there. And he said, go back there and look. And when she... Somebody shoot the air. Somebody let the anointing. Somebody let the anointing shoot the air. I'm telling you, she went back. She went back to the oil, and there was the oil in the cruise. And when she got back to the meal barrel, there was meal. And she made herself and her son something to eat. And the Bible said for the rest of that famine, three and a half years, God provided cruise, oil in the cruise, and meal in the barrel every day until the famine ended. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you, faith and faithfulness is like an arrow shot out of the bow of anointing. And when you, when you act on what you say, when you act on what you believe, God will do it. The man, the man of God said, now, you can put the bow down. Take the arrow. I got it. Get down there. That way... You're, you're so tall. One more on the floor. Now, turn this way. The prophet said, you got the bow, now take the arrows and beat them on the ground. Hit it three times. With, oh, come on. Oh, dear. Gee. That is exactly what Joash did. The prophet said, hit the, hit the arrow on the ground. And Joash hit it three times. I guess he's in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. And he got so angry. Good setup. So angry. He said, you should have struck the ground five, six, seven. Really what the language says is you should have just kept beating the ground until you absolutely broke the arrow. If you'd have done it with passion, if you'd have done it many times, if you just kept on doing it, kept on praying, kept on believing, keep on shooting the ball, the anointing directing the arrow, you would have delivered yourself from your enemy. Come on, get passionate. Now, I know you're not a 
choleric kind of person. But I'm praying an anointing of choleric on you. Just beat the fire out of that ground with that air. Come on, come on. Come on. Yeah! Yes! Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Keep going. Come on, somebody tell him. Hit the ground. Beat the ball. Yes! That's what God's talking about. Am I making a point? Is anybody getting this? I want you to be passionate. I want you to be passionate about the things of God. Oh, let's pray. I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Come on. I'm talking about getting in there and praying with a passion, Almighty God, let the glory of heaven fall upon us. God, help us to pray with a passion. I get so tired of these prayer meetings. They're not prayer meetings anymore for me. I grew up in the fire. I want to die in the fire. I know everybody doesn't have to be loud like me, but I tell you, everybody needs to be passionate like me. Everybody needs to be passionate like Jesus. Thank you, Luke. You did us. Give Luke a good hand. He... He beat the fire out of that thing, didn't he? I won't be able to use that area anymore. It's worth it though. The power source of every generation is a bow, the anointing that shoots the arrow. A jet without an engine. That's what the church is without the Holy Ghost. The church without the Spirit is like a car without a motor, a boat without a propeller, a fire without a flame, a book without a theme, a burger without the meat. And I'm asking Wendy's question, where's the beef? Listen, I know the young generation think they can do it on their own, but you can't. You need us old heads. And us old heads think we can just survive and make it without you young people. We can't. We need you. We want you. We value you. And we can meet. We can meet. We can meet together. Come on, somebody hear me. Young and old can meet together in the presence of God. That's where we need to meet together is in the presence of God. We are all the same in the presence of God. In the power of God. That's where the early church met together. Every generation met in the upper room in that temple area as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all flesh. Generations need to meet in power. That's our problem. We're trying to meet and do things our way. If you'll meet in the power and the presence, it'll always be God's way. The early church knew that their power source was the Holy Spirit. Let me close with this. When... In Roman culture, in Roman culture, in their army, the military, when a when an old charioteer, a guy who had been trained to drive the chariots, can't everybody drive a chariot? You had to learn how. You had to get the feel for it. When it, when it would make sharp turns, you had to know how to balance it out. You had to know how to pull on the reins. You, you had to know how to work the horses. Couldn't just anybody do it. And so in Roman army culture, 
when, when an old charioteer was relieved of his duty and a new charioteer came along. That new charioteer just didn't get in the chariot and start driving. He had already been in the chariot long before riding with the old charioteer. He had watched him pull on the reins. He had watched him pray in the Spirit. He had watched him prophesy. He had watched him preach the Word of God. He had watched him pray for the sick. He had watched him as he ministered and, 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 and did the work of God. He, he, the old charioteer had, had taught the young charioteer because the young charioteer was trying to learn how to drive the chariot. He was trying to learn how to do the church. How to work the church. How to fulfill the kingdom. And in the Roman army, when the old charioteer had to step back and give the reins to the new charioteer, the old charioteer didn't get out of the chariot. He stayed in there for a while. You know what he did? When the new charioteer took a corner or a curve, the old charioteer balanced it out. He'd roll to the right or he'd roll to the left. Whatever direction he needed to wait, he would wait. You see, one generation was assisting another generation. One generation was balancing the other generation. We need each other. Generations can learn something powerful and wonderful from each other. Amen. I just didn't become a Pentecostal preacher. I watched other men of God perform with an anointing. I watched them move in an unction from the Spirit. And I would get down at an altar and I'd get as close to them as I possibly could. And I let as many of them lay their hands on me as I could that I trusted and believed in and watched and knew were living right and, 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 and had the touch of God on their life. And, 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 and I, I received and I learned from them. Just like Paul said, Timothy, Timothy, I laid my hands on you and you received an unction from the Holy One. You received an anointing and a gift in your life to preach and to pastor. And he said, keep that gift stirred up. Keep that gift stirred up. The fire shall ever be burning. It shall never go out. That was the ministry of the priest. That's the ministry of the New Testament priest. Keep the fire burning. Don't ever let it go out. And young and old, both alike, we need to keep the fire burning today. We need to keep the fire burning today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for Jesus. I just want to tell you what the Lord told me. In the middle of this week, the Holy Spirit, I was praying, and the Spirit just whispered in my ear, and He said, it's coming. I said, what's coming? He said, what you've been asking me to do, as far as a move of God is concerned, it's coming. And he said, you, you tell the people to get ready for it. And what does that mean? That means we've got to position ourselves. I tell you, God can pour out His Spirit, but if we're not ready for it, we'll waste it. We'll waste it. But if we're ready for it, if we're hungry for it, we'll embrace it and we'll care for it and we'll be concerned about it, and we won't let the harvest that God gives us get away. We'll be passionate about it. And so I'm just telling you, get your heart ready. God wants to rain on dry ground. But He wants the dry ground to soak it up. He doesn't want it to run off and be wasted. He wants it to soak in. What are you going to have to do? Hard ground and a heavy rain will just run off. What we've got to do is plow the ground up. How do you plow ground up in your spirit? You pray. You humble yourself. You get 
you get low before God. You, you decrease so that He can increase. You, you, you get humble before the Lord in every area of your life. If there's sin there, if, the, if there's a rebellious act there, everything that makes the ground hard, you plow it up with the Word of God and you let the Holy Spirit make you soft and tender so that when the rain comes, it'll soak in. Are you with me? Are you with me? Every generation. Every generation needs the power of God. I'm telling you this morning, the bow is being passed. The bow's being given to an old generation. The bow's being given to a young generation. The bow's being given to a middle generation. There's about four generations of Pentecost since the beginning of the Assemblies of God. Maybe starting the fifth one, but for sure four. Let me tell you a, a startling statistic. Every revival movement, every, not, not, not some, every, every revival movement by the fourth generation, they look nothing like they did in the beginning. And they certainly do not embrace what began at the start. It's lost by the fourth generation. I have made up my mind. I'm third generation Pentecost. There's some fourth generation Pentecost in here. We got some babies. that would be the fifth one. The world won't like us. The world won't run to us. But I'm telling you, friend, I want to be that generation that says to the world, you will not hoodwink me. You will not cause me to let go of what I value, of what I believe, of what I've been taught, of what I know is right. I will not forsake the Word of God, nor the fountain of living waters, the Holy Spirit. As an assembly of God preacher, I will believe in all 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. I'll preach them. I'll practice them. I believe in living holy. I believe in allowing the Holy Spirit to have His way in the sanctuary in the middle of the work of God. I believe that we ought to allow spirit gifts in the sanctuary. I believe that we ought to praise God out loud. We ought to clap our hands. We ought to shout. We ought to give God the highest praise. I don't believe in entertainment. I believe in a spiritual practice practice of worship. And I'm asking you to come on with me. Let's pass the bow. But let's make sure that we're passing a bow that still can shoot the arrow. That can still hit the target. That can still break the bondage and the captivity of the enemy. All over this room, I'm going to ask you to do something now in the closing moment of this service. Will you get up from where you're at? And will you come stand with me around the front for just a little bit? And let's say to God, God, I want to take the bow and I want to shoot the arrows. God, I want to strike the ground with the arrow of praise. I want to strike the ground with the arrow of prayer and, and fasting. I want to strike the ground with the, with the arrow of holiness. I want to strike the ground with, with faith and faithfulness. I, I want to strike the ground until, until the bondage and the captivity of people is broken. Jesus. How many of you just slip your hands up to God and say, God, today I'm putting the bow in my hand and I'm going to move in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to move in the anointing of the Spirit of God. And I'm going to shoot the arrow. The arrow of praise. The arrow of faith. The arrow of faithfulness. The arrow of holiness. The arrow of prayer and fasting. I'm going to shoot the arrow. And I'm going to see God deliver hearts and lives. Come on, all over this room, lift your voice to God and praise Him. Praise Him and pray to Him. Oh, Lord, I did it. 
God, 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 release, release the anointing, release the anointing. God, you've given it to every generation. God, you've given it to every individual that's hungry and thirsty. God, you said if we would long for you, we would find you. God, let an anointing of the Spirit of God fall fresh on us. God, break break the yoke of worldliness from off of us. God, uh, we don't want a form of godliness. We want you, Jesus. We want a relationship. We don't want ritual. I don't want to be able just to say, my father, my father, the, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. I want to say, I was there when the Spirit came. I was there when the Holy Ghost fell. I was there when the glory of God came. I don't want to just be a person that talks it. I want to be a person that lives it. Jesus. Don't you feel the Holy Ghost? I, I want to ask you to do something right now before we go home. I want you to find somebody of a different generation. I know we've got a, a, a various generations here, young and old and in between and middle. But let's pray. Let's pray for each other. Listen, young people, what you got, I need. You can teach me something. I can teach you something. I have something to give to you. You have something to give to me. My older brother and sisters, they've got something they can teach me. I never will forget when that 86-year-old woman, Sister Runyon, Assembly of God preacher in her own right, her husband, a pastor, for many, many years, Brother Tommy Carpenter's mother-in-law, Sister Nelma's mom, a great woman of faith, she laid her hands on me and she prayed, God, give him the same faith that I've got. Help him to believe you. Help him to believe you. I'm telling you, that moment, that moment, that white-haired saint laid her hands on me, the glory of God came on me, and I've not been the same since. I believe God can do anything. you got something to give. Come on, find somebody right now. Just and, and, and I don't want you just to stop after you lay hands on one person. I want you to move around and find somebody from a different generation. Somebody that's younger than you. Somebody that's older than you. Somebody that's, that's maybe acquainted with the same generation. Pray! Ask God to put the bow in their hand. Ask God to let the arrow fly. Lord Jesus. makataha. Jesus, Lord, let there be a transfer this morning of an anointing of God that breaks yokes and fetters. God, I pray this morning that knowledge would be imparted, that wisdom would be imparted, that strength would be imparted, that faithfulness would be imparted. Lord, I pray today that a touch of the Spirit of God would flow out of each of us into someone else. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Paul said, Timothy, you got what you got because I laid my hands on you. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for an oncoming generation that's going to touch the world for Jesus. I thank you for an old generation that's going to stand in the chariot and balance everything out. God, I thank you, Lord, for a generation that's going to show another generation how to move in the Spirit, how to practice the things of God, how to shoot the arrows. God, let our babies grow up in the Pentecostal church. Let our babies grow up in a spirit-filled church. Not in name only, but in practice, in experience. God, let them be there when the Spirit comes. Let them be there at the altar, receiving from God. 
just like the generation before. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have you touched somebody today? Have you prayed for somebody today? Have you imparted something? I want us to leave here right now just saying, God, I want what's in me. Uh, the, the glory of God, the blessing of God, the salvation of God, the, the, the things of Christ. I want, them, I want them to flow out of me into others. Jesus, I want to give away what I've got so that you can give me more. And Lord, every day I just want to keep giving away. I want to impart to others so that you can just keep giving into my life. Lord, don't let us get full and stagnant. Let us stay empty and fresh. Let us stay empty and fresh. Lord, help us to stay where we're giving away and you're pouring in and we're giving away and you're pouring in. And we, Lord, just let it be like that. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, the Bible says that you want the, the older ladies to teach the younger ladies. You want the older men to example for the younger men. God, that's the way it happens. Just like a father would teach his son, just like a mom would teach the daughter, so the older saints teach the younger saints. We model it. We, we live it. And somebody catches that contagious spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray for that. Lord, we love You this morning. We thank You for the opportunity to represent Your Word. And I pray the Spirit of God will have done a work in our hearts that we can't get past. God, let us go home from this place changed forever, having made an eternal decision that Jesus Christ will be the most important part of my life. Lord, I thank You and I praise You for building Your church, working in each of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Bring us back tonight, Lord, to study the Word of God together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands. Be friendly. Tell somebody you love them. Praise the Lord.